Obesity, heart disease, depression, headaches, asthma, premature death. Whoa. Sounds like the side effects of a new cancer drug, right? No? No, but it's what we do to ourselves every single day by anxiety, being anxious. Weird, right? You weren't expecting that. So, okay. Does anxiety actually help us? Let's take this lovely girl over here as an example. This might be my wife. Yeah. But uh, a couple months ago, she comes home. She walks in the door. She starts crying. Dang it. <laughs> she had just taken an exam. And she had failed. Or at least she thought she had failed. She had convinced herself she had failed. What does that mean? I knew it meant she probably didn't get an A. <laughs> Didn't get an A. Okay. I mean, it's pretty bad. Lots of crying. Lots of sleepless nights. Lots of terrible times. Weeks later, she gets an A. <laughs> Surprise. No, not at all. But, I mean, okay, that's a funny story. You're going to say, anxiety is not funny, Sam. You know, life is not always so happy. It doesn't always end so well, right? We have problems in life. We have actual issues that we face. So, right, wife is getting her PhD here at U of H. And then we find out that, oh, hey, we have to move. Money. That costs lots of money. Right? And then my car breaks down. More money. Our cats get sick. Money. Why do we have cats? I don't know. <laughs> uh, they keep getting sick. More money. I'm mean, like, why? Why did we do this to ourselves? <laughs> and then we get sick. I'm pretty sure it's the cats. And uh, so then we go through more money. So money, 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 money. And we keep going to the doctor. And it always seems like we haven't reached our deductible yet. We just have to keep paying until the next visit. Every time I'm like, how's this happen? It's just not cool. M plus one. Very good. No. No. All right. So, I mean, look at this. We had an, a, a small issue. And we had crying, sleepless nights. Then we had this crap going on. All at the same time. Murphy's Law. Just <laughs> nuclear. And what's our reaction? Acceptance and or pretty, pretty good piece for lots of stuff going on. So what, what's there to say? More problems do not equal more anxiety. It's not linear at all. It's no. So let's explore what Christ has to say about anxiety. You can open your, up your Bibles, your apps, whatever tablets that you have to Matthew 6. We'll be starting at verse 25. <clears throat> Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of more, not of more value than they? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Lord, thank you for this wonderful day, this time that we can come together as a church, as a body, as your bride, to learn your word, your peace, what you would have us to learn today. Lord, speak through me and in spite of me, and allow this to be a seed in every one of our lives that we can take out and nurture and grow. Amen. So why is Christ talking about anxiety at this point in time? So Matthew 6, 6 what, what's going on? Two chapters before, Jesus has just started his ministry. He walks up to his disciples. Hey, come follow me. Leave all your stuff behind. His disciples get up, leave their families, leave their boats, their livelihood, everything they have, and follow after this man they don't know much about. He talks on the Sermon on the Mount about raising the bar on the law, the conventional wisdom of what they have. Don't uh, sleep with your brother's wife. Good advice. Don't look at your brother's wife. Don't look at another woman in lust, or you've already committed adultery, stepping it up again. Man, like, that's... That's pretty rough. That would cause me some anxiety right there. He emphasizes the importance of storing up treasure in heaven instead of earth. Get rid of your earthly possessions. Don't be so focused on these gods, our work, our money, our houses. But instead, store them up in heaven where they don't rust. So, at this point, how does he talk about anxiety? As we look through our text right here, twice Jesus goes back to creation. We can see he talks about the birds of the air, that God daily provides for them, even though they don't worry, even though they don't store up in sheds tons of acorns and seeds. He provides for them every single day. They still work every single day, but he provides for them. In verse 28 and 29, he talks about the flowers, the fields, the lilies that are so beautiful, clothed so amazingly, and compares it to you, Solomon. Solomon was the wealthiest, smartest guy in all their history. 
He was so wealthy that silver, silver wasn't even precious. Silver. That'd be that'd be pretty nice. I like that. So what what is this saying? God does not abandon the work of his hands. And twice Jesus' logic progresses from the lesser. Birds, grass, lilies, things that are here today and gone tomorrow, towards something more, towards us. Look at this. I've done this for nature. I've done this for the birds. How much more are you worth than the birds and the grass and the field? How much more will I provide for you? Do you trust me? You of little faith. Verse 30. Why does he say, you of little faith? It's because we don't understand our own value in his eyes. How, how much worth do we have? If we understood why he loved us, wouldn't we trust him more to provide? Let's move on. So we can look through here, and you might not have it, but I have lots of colors in mine. There's tons of repetition in this chapter. Anxious, 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 anxious. A few months ago, uh, I was driving around in my Mazda 3 way of work. I got to pick up my dry cleaning. Completely different place I've never gone before. I turn right onto Holcomb and get into a stoplight. In front of me is this big truck. Lights blink, blinking. He's in the way. Not nice. I'm like, okay, I'm at the stoplight. Got my Mazda 3 zoom zoom. I'm going to zoom around these cars. Okay. Green light. Zoom. I get, I get out so fast. 35 miles per hour. Speed limit. And sirens. Dang it. What happened? Everyone around me was gone. I'm like, ah, I thought it was just so fast. BMWs back there. Audis back there. Yeah, it was school zone. Dang it. <laughs> so, so what happened? What happened? No signs. I must have missed something. I, I checked on Google Maps later. There was one sign. It was behind the truck that was stopped. Now, what would, how would have this been different if there was flashing lights, big signs, multiple alerts saying, hey, school zone, 15 miles per hour, not the normal 35. That's what Christ is doing right here in this chapter. 25, do not be anxious about your life. 27, being anxious can add a single hour. No. 28, anxious about clothing. 31, do not be anxious. 34, do not be anxious. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Six times he says this. Blaring lights, big signs, horns, going off like crazy. This has to be pretty important if he says it six times in a row. So, okay. He continues to talk about, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. Well, thanks a lot. How do I do that? Have you ever tried not to be anxious just by saying, don't be anxious, don't be anxious? Does not work very well at all. It's just digging a hole, digging a hole, getting deeper. But Christ, as always, gives us the answer, thank God. <laughs> uh, so verse 32, what does he say? Don't be like your neighbors, Jews, hey, 
You're set apart. You're God's people. You should act differently. You, have sh- you should have different priorities. I know that's probably not what that says, but it's close enough. You should seek other things, something higher than what the other Gentiles seek. Your food, your water, your clothing. Because God cares for you. But what do you seek first? Yeah, that's cool. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Thanks, Jesus, for telling us the answer. But how do I do that? What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? And here, something that's really important is first kind of sounds like, hey, number one, seek first the kingdom of God. Number two, get a cool job. Number three, get a cool car. No. <laughs> no, it's not saying that at all. You can say, you can replace first with primarily, continuously. And in the parallel verse in Luke, it just doesn't even say first. So, but seek continually the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek primarily. Alright, so here's the answer. What do we do with it? Let's look at an awesome example that's referenced here. In verse 28, we talk about Solomon. Solomon, wisest man, super wealthy, lots of silver all over the place. So let's go back to 2 Chronicles and see how this ties in. In 2 Chronicles uh, 1, 7 through 12, so Solomon is praying for wisdom. Solomon is talking to God. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask why I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David my father and have made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word to David my father be now fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? God answered Solomon, because this was in your heart. And you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hated you. And have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may govern my people, over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honors, such as none of the kings had who were before you, and none after you shall have the like. Sweet. That's awesome. Like, really cool. So, like, why was God so pleased with Solomon? Was it because he was a pretty cool guy, had some nice clothes, had a cool house? No. What did he do? He focused on God's people. He focused on fulfilling his duty to God's people and focused on the relationship with God. And because of that, he received wisdom. He received that knowledge and everything else he didn't ask for. What did he do after that? He took that wisdom and he built the temple of God. 
he governed over the people of Israel. And when Solomon was old, he reflected on his life. He did this in Ecclesiastes, which is pretty cool. I didn't, even, I didn't know about this. But as an old man, reflecting as the preacher, he considers the question of me- he considered the question of meaning in life. He looked back and saw the futility of chasing after even the good things this life can offer, including wisdom, work, pleasure, and wealth. Even if such things are satisfying for a time, a death, death is certain to end the satisfaction. Death is the end of everything in this life. In fact, God's judgment on Adam for his sin echoes throughout the book. So this entire book is talking about all these things that he went after. Wisdom, self-indulgence, evil. And how does he end? He ends by saying, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. After his whole life, when he looked back upon that, what did he see? Was it wisdom that he should have been directing himself to? Was it women? Was it wealth? No, it was fearing God and keeping his commandments. Seek first, continuously, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. In Mark 12, 30, what does it say? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your body. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is perfectly flowing in. Like, what are we called to do in our life? Are we called to uh, focus on wealth, focus on our jobs, focus on our families primarily? No, it's focus on God. Build that relationship with God and give our entire life to that. On Tuesday, I got some more bad news, adding to that list previously. So I can't transfer Tallahassee for my job. Darn. A friend at work asked me, why was I so calm? <laughs> what was going on? Like, your, your entire plan, your projection of the future was just screwed up hard. I was calm. What? Or she thought I was calm. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, why? Well, I had been studying this text for three weeks. <laughs> that, that was a pretty good start. Uh, like, if I didn't find a little bit of peace in that, then you guys probably should leave right now. <laughs> so, I've been focusing on this for three weeks. Focusing on God and not on my problems. Focusing on the long term and not what I could see with my own eyes. And yet, I still ended up only sleeping like two hours that night. <laughs> this is hard stuff. It affects all of us every single day of our lives. Like We all have difficulties, opportunities to just give in to anxiety. But what is anxiety caused by? It's by planting our foundation on unstable ground, projecting or extrapolating that image 
that foundation out into the future and taking that image as our reality, that shaky ground. So where are you building your foundation? Where are you putting your trust? In college, my mind, that was my foundation. I was smart engineering, not as smart as her, but pretty close. And I actually started having seizures. I would lose months of my past. Wake up, no clue where I was. No clue what I was doing. I woke up in Louisville, Kentucky one day. I'm like, crap, I'm in the wrong state. <laughs> it's like, not fun. I'm not saying if you don't trust in God, you're going to lose your mind. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. But I put my trust in my mind, something that's fallible, something that can fail, something that can degrade, instead of putting in something eternal that will not fade, that will not rust, that will not break down. So where are you not putting your trust in God? Where are you putting your trust? Is it something that's fallible? Is it something that you have control over, your strength, your mind, your body, your beauty, your life? Christ pushed the disciples into situations where they had to trust God for provision. They had no choice. In Luke 9, 23, 2 and 3, And he sent them out to reclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. Man, man, when I go on vacation, I forget a toothbrush. <laughs> now imagine forgetting your toothbrush, your toothpaste, all your toiletries, and all your clothes, and your plane ticket back home. Damn, what is going on? This is what God was doing to his disciples. Didn't make them worse off. Didn't make them have less trust. Did they fail? No. I mean, just because you have more difficulty doesn't mean you have more anxiety. This was a test. It was training in how to trust God. All right, so what have we learned? Bring it back together. Put it all out of line. What is anxiety? Anxiety is the difference between reality and our perception. What is the solution? The solution is to seek the kingdom of God by fearing God and following his commandments. Number one of which is by loving God with our all. Then what do we do? We can rest in his peace peace and trust in his provision for us. Bad things will still happen, but the way we react to those things will be different. Things will still be bad. Like you're still going to get sick. Right? This isn't a prosperity gospel. It's not going to be you will have wealth and you will never get sick and your kids are going to be so cute. It is <laughs> Bad things are still going to happen, but your perception, your mindset is going to be focused on something more than what is around us, what we can see. It's going to be focused on the eternal. So what are you anxious about? Is it your money, your health, 
getting old, wrinkles, about your car, your house, your job, your family, your kids. Challenge. Three questions. If you played out your life, does it end on earth? Is everything you've been working for stop when you're dead? An aide to uh, Carnegie after he died was asked by a reporter how much did he leave behind? He said all of it. You can't take it with you. Are you investing in the future? Are you focused on everlasting rewards? Are you focused on your earthly storehouse? Is God bigger than this problem, whatever you're facing? In the context of infinity, God is pretty awesome. Even the biggest problem is small. No matter how big, it's still less than infinity. Number three, have I shown my trust in his provision through prayer? God knows our problems. He's all-knowing. Prayer just shows our trust in his provision. Those three questions. We'll end here in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Ask yourself those three questions. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you for your peace. Lord, for your direction, for your guidance. Lord, we put our trust in you. Lord, not in something that's fallible, not something that is of me, that I can control. Lord, but in something that will not fail, a foundation that will not break. Lord, we put our trust in you. Lord, help us as we go about our day, as we go out into the world. Lord, drive us, push us out of our safety zone. Lord, condition us to trust in you, Lord, to cast aside anxiety, cast aside fears. Lord, as we direct our focus on your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, we pray all of these things in your holy name.